Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, good morning, church. How you doing today? Okay, that was the practice run, so we're going to have to do that again. Good morning, church. How you doing today? Good morning. Woo, this side right here is alive, and this side right here is less alive. I, I'm not going to say the D word. We're not going to do that. My name is Alan Warohio. I'm the resident church planter here at Mercy. If we haven't met, I would love to meet you right after the service. Come say hi to me. It is such a rainy day today. You know, I thought when we moved to North Carolina, we would get more snow, but it looks like we get more rain than snow. (laughs) And I'm like, why is the snow? You need to bring back the snow. Hey, Mercy Northeast, how are you doing? You want to say a shout for the Northeast crowd to hear you? So glad. And of course, if you're with us online, thank you so much for gathering with us. If you have watched the online service, then you have heard Jessica say, I love worshiping with our church. And I love worshiping with our church. Like hearing your voices just gives me this encouragement to keep on singing because our God is worthy of our praise. Amen. Today we're going to be in Luke 1, 26 to 38. Um, I'm not Spence, if you haven't noticed but I'm preaching the word today. And as you open, please let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the season we're in now when we get to remember that you did leave heaven to come down to where we are. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us uh, to our own devices, that you came and died for us so that we can be reconciled to you and reconciled to each other. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. We pray, Lord, today that you would illuminate your word. You would help us to understand and grasp what you have for us this morning. Lord, would your voice be louder than mine? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before we get into the sermon, allow me to ask you a question. What do you do when things don't work out the way you thought they should or how you had hoped that they should? Do you get frustrated? Or are you part of those people who don't get bothered by anything? They seem to go with it, whatever the it is. Like, if you read your Bible, you soon realize that God has a tendency of disrupting and interrupting people's lives. As in, you look at Abraham, and he was okay, chilling in Ur, but God had other plans. He was calling him into a journey of faith. You look at Moses in Midian, and he was doing okay. He was hiding sheep, but God had another plan for him. He was calling him to go free his people. Interruption. You look at Jonah. He was okay, prophesying in Israel, but God wanted him to go to Nineveh to share the good news. Interruption. You look at Peter, he was okay fishing, for fish of course, but God wanted him to go fish for men. 
interruption. And two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Spence took us through the life or interruption of Joseph, the stepdad of Jesus. He thought he was about to get married, but he did not realize that his to-be wife was already pregnant. Interruption. Now, in my life, there has been monumental interruptions, moments both big and small. And one of those moments was back in 2014. In 2014, the Lord gave me this desire to go to seminary. And at this point in my life, I thought I would work myself up uh, into a lucrative career in the media. But God had other plans for me. For those of you who don't know, I'm from Kenya. And back in Kenya, I used to work for FM radio and a little bit of TV. And honestly, I feel like the trajectory was great for me. But God had other plans for me. I was not all the way convinced. But through some hard lessons, my wife, Malin, and I, we said yes to go into seminary, and so we moved from Nairobi to Texas, and then from Texas to North Carolina, because clearly it's better. But (laughs) I would love to say that the interruption was easy, but it wasn't. In fact, as 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 a student, if you're on a student visa, you can only work 20 hours on campus. And so for me, not being able to provide was killing me inside. My wife was working full time. She was teaching and coaching volleyball. And honestly, there are some days I would go back home and I would sit on our kitchen floor and just cry. Like, God, why did you bring me here? But now looking back, I realized that God had a plan. He knew what he was doing. And I don't know what your interruption is. I don't know if it's going to be a big one or a small one. But it's coming. And so if there is an interruption that is coming, this is what I want us to do this morning. I want us to go through Luke 1, 26 to 38, and what we will see is how Mary responds to God interrupting her life. You can call this when God interrupts your life part two, AKA the remix, because two weeks ago, Pastor Spence took us through how God interrupted Joseph's life. You remember that? How many of you were in church? Show of hands? I'm not going to shame you. Okay. My prayer is that as we go through this, we're going to see three essential truths to remember when God does interrupt your life. My prayer is that these truths will give you this thrill of hope that we've been talking about throughout this Advent series, and you will choose to believe and trust and submit to God who is in control of all things. Amen? All right, Luke 1, 26 to 38. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, just say, hold up. Ooh-wee, it's a good morning. Let's go. All right. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, the passage preceding our text tells the story of angel Gabriel in Jerusalem telling Zechariah that his wife, Elizabeth, would have a child, and this child would be born in their old age. Elizabeth was older now, and this child we're talking about is John the Baptist. He would be the one to make the way for the coming Messiah. But in our text today, we move from Jerusalem, which is the religious capital, to a small village called Nazareth. In fact, this small village was so insignificant that in John 1, when Nathanael is told by Philip, hey, we have found the Messiah, and he is from Nazareth, Nathanael says, what good can come from Nazareth? 
That is where we are. In the previous announcement, the, the, the receivers of the message are well established. Zechariah was a priest. He must have been well respected in the town. But in our text, Angel Gabriel comes to an unknown girl who is about to be married. What a contrast. Do you see that contrast? Now we learn that this girl was a virgin. Clearly Luke wants us to to, to pay attention to this. He thinks this information is very important. Why do I say this? Look at verse 27. Luke mentions this twice. He says, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Now, we spend a lot of time in the Song of Solomon, so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time talking to you about what a virgin is. Y'all know what that is, right? So here, we have a young virgin, unknown, about to be married girl, and she's about to receive the most important news in all of the world. One commentator says, from all indicators, Mary's life would not have been extraordinary. She would have married humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther than a few miles from home, and one day, like thousands others, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. That is a lot. You don't want anyone to say that about you, right? But God had other plans. Look at verse 28. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. First of all, I don't know about you, but for me, if an angel is standing right in front of me, I don't know if I will be able to speak or say anything or ask questions. It's not every day you come across an angel. Like, hey, angel, how are you doing today? Good to see you. See you tomorrow. No, that doesn't happen every single day, right? And that's probably why Gabriel tells Mary, do not be afraid. This is the... I am not trying to scare you conversation before the real conversation. But notice what Gabriel says to Mary. Greetings, favored woman. And again, you have found favor with God. The word translated favor in our text is the same word translated grace in Ephesians 1.6 where Paul praises God for his glorious grace that he has given us, lavished us, in Christ Jesus. Clearly, Mary was an upright young girl who had kept herself for marriage. She is meek and humble, but that's not why she is favored. Oh no, God chose to interrupt her life with his favor purely out of his unmerited grace and not because of anything she had done. So church, when God interrupts your life, this is the first thing I want you to remember, that God's favor is not dependent on you or where you're from. God's favor is dependent on him. God's favor is not dependent on you or where you're from. It's purely dependent on who God is. Our girl Mary was from a humble background, yet the Lord's grace reached her all the way to Nazareth. But sometimes when God interrupts your, your life and my life, 
You might be tempted to wish a different story. You want a different story for yourself. You might be tempted to think you're not qualified or it's not fair, and I get it. Maybe you don't like the way your life is right now. You don't like the life that you're leading right now. You don't know how on earth is this supposed to be for my good. But have you ever asked yourself, could it be that part of my dissatisfaction is because I'm trying to build my own kingdom instead of Jesus' kingdom? Listen to me. God's sovereign hand works for the good of all those who love him and are called according to his purpose. My encouragement to you this morning is be open to what the Lord is doing even in your humble circumstances. Even in the middle of the interruption, there is something that God is doing. I would also encourage you in another different way to open your eyes to what God is doing around you because there are people around you People who would be or might be labeled as poor, as weak, as not from the right town, and God is calling you to join him in his redemptive purpose because he is doing something there. In fact, if you go to Deuteronomy 6, God tells the children of Israel, I didn't choose you because you are the most powerful or you are the numerous in all of the world. No, in fact, I choose you, I chose you, I choose you, that's not English. I'm from Africa, forgive me. Uh, <clears throat> I chose you because you are the fewest among the nations. In fact, God's favor is not dependent on who we are or where we're from, it's based on who God is. And he is merciful, he is compassionate, he is loving, and he is for you. Let's continue, verse 31. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and the kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one to be born will be called the Son of God. It is so like God to reveal to Mary a girl from a nowhere town, two of the most greatest mysteries in the universe, the Trinity and incarnation. Now this word Trinity refer, is the word that theologians use sometimes to refer to the three persons of God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And incarnation is the reality that God himself became man in the form of Jesus Christ and lived and dwelt with us. What a wonderful blessing, hope-filled news that this angel reveals to Mary. He reveals this news to Israel, to the world, to you and to me. This son who would be born would be named Jesus. Literally, this means the Lord is salvation. You see, the nation of Israel was supposed to be, to be, to be a means or a vehicle of God's ruling and blessing the earth, but the people proved unworthy. Generation after generation, they proved unworthy. Even when God called up David, a man after his own heart, he also proved unworthy. But here's the thing. God promised David that there would be one from his lineage who would rule and reign forever. 
This is Jesus, the king who would rule and reign forever. Daniel says this about Jesus. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. So you see, church, the answer to the question, Mary, did you know, is a resounding yes. She knew. Gabriel told her. It's right there in the text. (laughs) This King Jesus offered up his life to reconcile humanity to God, And not only that, to reconcile us to each other. He also invites all that will repent and believe in him, and not only that, to join him in the kingdom work that he has. Meaning the work that he is calling us into is not to build our own kingdom, but to build his kingdom together as kingdom people. Now I recognize that this news might be a little bit hard for some of you to accept, and you would be in great company. Mary thought as much. She said to Gabriel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And you might be saying the same thing this morning. Maybe you have questions about the faith. There are things that don't make sense to you about this Christian faith. First of all, let me say, uh, Dr. Barnes is over there. He loves questions, so talk to him after this. Uh, Jessica also loves questions, so ask her all the questions. And then second of all, there are mainly two kinds of doubts. There is the doubt that says there is no way this could be true. This is a statement. It's what Zechariah told angel Gabriel. It shows a lack of trust in God. And by the way, go back and read the entirety of the story in Luke 1 to see the contrast between Mary and Zechariah. This kind of doubt is proud and it's closed-minded. This is what Timothy Keller says about this doubt. It refuses to consider the possibility whose purposes and power are far beyond its comprehension. What he is saying here is this kind of doubt lacks intellectual honesty. Then there is the second kind of doubt. How can these things be true? This is more of an inquisitive doubt. It's the person that says, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm willing and ready. This is the kind of doubt that leads to genuine questions that come from a position of openness and meekness. Although Zechariah was right there in front of the angel, he did not believe. Mary had some doubts, but she trusted Jesus. She trusted God. On the other hand, Zechariah asked for more evidence from God, but Mary asked for an explanation. Are you asking for more evidence or are you asking for an explanation? That's the question for you this morning. I encourage you to keep on asking the questions and be open to what God can do in your heart. He clearly brought you here this morning to hear this message so he can interrupt even your life with the good news this morning. Now church, when, the, when God interrupts your life, the second thing you need to remember is there is nothing impossible with God. Now, Angel Gabriel does something that I think is quite compelling. Look at verse 36. He says, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month of her who was called childless. 
There is this black movie called Menace to Society. I don't know if you've watched it. And every time the characters have like a teachable moment, there's someone who pops in the screen and says, message! And I feel like someone should have popped at this scene and said, evidence! Or pop on this right here, come on stage and say, evidence! Because what Angel Gabriel is saying is there is evidence. Go visit your cousin. She was old, but yet she has conceived. It looks like Mary should go visit Elizabeth because there is actual evidence that what the angel is telling her is both true and accurate. And as if that's not enough, Angel Gabriel gives Mary one of the greatest faith-building statements in all of the Bible. Look with me at verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Here's the thing. In my finite mind, I don't know how God spoke things into existence. I don't know how Jonah survived in the belly of a fish. I don't know how Jesus was able to turn five loaves of bread and two fish to food that could feed 5,000 people. I don't know how he walked on water, live alone, tell the waters to come down. I don't know how he resurrected Lazarus. You and I don't know how he resurrected. But we do know there is nothing impossible with God. Because in fact, if he is God, then there is nothing that he can't do. And that is what Angel Gabriel is telling Mary this morning. Take a moment and think through this. Let it sink in that we have this profound message in the Bible only because a girl from nowhere town asked a simple question in honesty and meekness. How can these things be? In human eyes, Mary's news is impossible. A virgin who gets pregnant and not through what we would consider natural ways, and to top it all, the child would be called the son of God? But listen, church, when the giver of the message is true and trustworthy, then the message is true and trustworthy. Jeremiah 33, God says, I am the Lord of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Jesus said in this same words in Mark 10, and surely we can trust Jesus. His works prove that he is God. Now, there are those, especially in the city of Nairobi, where we are moving to plant Mercy Nairobi. For those of you who don't know, we are moving to Kenya to plant a church. I'm so excited. And on the 15th, January 15th, we will have Mercy Nairobi Vision Night. Uh, get more details on the website, and then come and hear what we have in store. But back to the sermon. There are those in the city, like Nairobi, who will take this message of there is nothing impossible with God to prove and justify prosperity gospel. By all means, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But here's the thing. If you have been changed, the desires of your heart are no longer selfish. They are no longer self-satisfying. They are not just self-motivated. They are not just focused on you. The desires become the desires of the Lord. 
and you join him in the work, because you are in union with him, they cannot be selfish desires. I don't know what situation is in front of you, but if you have trusted in the Lord for your salvation, then child of God, trust that there is nothing impossible for God. And I know, as in, we say that, but sometimes we don't really believe it. Like you think, it's possible for God to wake me up in the morning, but it's not possible for him to heal me. Like it's possible for God to do that for someone else, but not really me. And God is asking you to just trust. Pray. You don't receive because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask with wrong motives. Come to him. There is nothing impossible with him. Now, most of our interruptions will most likely be thousands, small moments. It's the kids wanting to play, but you want to finish that project or watch the game. It's the flat tire on the way to work. Or if you have roommates, it's the roommate who's trying to pour out their heart and you're just trying to go to bed. (laughs) And if you're like me, you know that these moments can be faith stretching. They can really stretch your faith. But this is where you need to ask yourself, what is God doing in this moment? Why has God placed this person in my life, this quote-unquote interruption in my life right now? What is he doing? Now, for those of you who've been interrupted in huge ways, I'm talking about divorce. I'm talking about even what Lauren said at Providence. This week hasn't been easy. I'm talking about the pain that you feel because your kids are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Or maybe there is sickness in the family. God is with you. And if you haven't talked to an elder or staff member, we are here for you and we love you. Do not hesitate to reach out to someone. Church, that's what we do. We fellowship together. We care for each other. So far, Mary's life has been interrupted in a huge way. Imagine this was you, and someone asked you, how was your day? Where do you start? The angel? The baby you're going to conceive is a virgin? Or the fact that this child will literally change the world? And yet, in the middle of this interruption, Mary responds with utmost trust, submission, faith, and belief in God. Look with me at verse 38. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left. Mary's response is so much like Isaiah's, here I am, send me. Estas, if I perish, I perish. Ruth, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Job's, even if he kills me, I will hope in him. The very words of Jesus. Father, not my will, but your will be done. This is how we respond when God interrupts our lives, our plans, even if we don't understand what he is doing because he is a good God. Church, when God interrupts your life, here's the last thing you need to remember. God's plan is better than your plan. And I know that sounds cliche. You're like, oh yeah, I know that. But honestly, God's plan is better than your plan. Have you tried your plan? Has it worked out? Because God's plan is better than your plan. 
This is not easy for Mary to believe. Think for a second what Mary is saying yes to. She is saying yes to, first of all, potential shaming from her family and her friends. There is potential for divorce. And by the way, I picked this up from a book by uh, Daniel Darlings. She is saying yes to raising God's son, caring for the most important child in the whole of human history and future. That's huge. By the way, this should make all moms who struggle with mom guilt feel a little bit better. God trusted a young woman from Nazareth to raise his child. Surely he will give you enough grace to raise your children and they will turn out the way they were supposed to. Lean lean into God. And thirdly, even though we don't know how much Mary knew at this point and how Jesus would save people, Mary is saying yes to seeing her boy being humiliated, hated, spat on, and eventually hung on the cross. And she has to carry this for 33 years. That's what she's saying yes to. The late Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Christ calls us to abandon all attachments of this world and to embrace him. To truly be servants of Christ, we must accept his plan over our plans. From the big things to the small things, Mary shows us how faith should respond to grace and I believe she's able to do this because she's not thinking too highly of herself or too lowly of herself, she's thinking of herself rightly. This phrase right here, the Lord's servant, literally means the bond servant of the Lord. She recognizes God is the king, the Lord of her life, and she responds in humble submission to the Lord. And this too should be our response. We, like Mary, are nothing but God's servants. So when he interrupts our lives, it's an opportunity for us to worship and acknowledge his lordship. Trust in him. Trust him with your kids. Trust him with your job. Trust him with your siblings. Trust him with your family. Trust him with the city. Trust him with the church. Regardless of the interruption. So in conclusion, church, we've seen that God's favor is not based on who you are or where you're from, but it's based on who God is. We've also seen that there is nothing impossible with God. And we just saw that God's plan is better than our plan. And honestly, to be able to remember these truths, we have to be in community. We have to prayerfully be in the word and do life in community. That's how we remember God's past faithfulness. It's the story you hear from a brother and sister across the hall, across the couch. And let that propel us to trust in God. So I'm going to give you soul, soul, soul word today. Who's excited for soul word? No? It's like, it's holiday season. I don't want no word. <laughs> so this is what I want you to do today, after service, right now. Take your time leaving, okay? Take the next 10 to 15 minutes praying for someone who's going through something, who's been interrupted, all right? I want you to be here, be in the lobby, be outside if it's not raining, or find space in your car, and y'all just sit there for 10, 15 minutes and pray for each other. The Lord says he wants and desires us to pray for each other. He says, bring your anxieties and worries to me. 
So the best thing we can do this morning is to just slow down and pray for each other. 10 to 15 minutes. That is what we're supposed to do, right? Now Mary reminds us to keep our eyes on the hope to come. This baby who was promised to Mary was born. He lived a sinless life and died on the cross for your transgressions and mine. Mary was there when Jesus took, her, took his first steps. Mary was there when Jesus was teaching at the temple at 12 years old. Mary was there when Jesus performed his first miracle in Cana of Galilee. And Mary was there when Jesus hung on the cross. But Jesus did not stay on that cross. He resurrected. Mary was there as part of the 120 who were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit filled them. God with us became God in us. We have what Mary received that day. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. God is with us. God is in us. I cannot wait when we get to see Jesus face to face. But until then, let the Holy Spirit, his word, the union that we now share right now, this moment we have with Christ, give us the thrill of hope, even in the middle of interruptions. Church, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that what the enemy planned for evil, you planned for good. That in all things you work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, I pray that we would slow down this morning, that you would give us the right words to say, that we would be vulnerable with each other, and we would pray about what's going on in our lives. And I pray that you would use those moments to encourage us and to keep our eyes focused on you. Heavenly Father, indeed, we count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing and following you. Would you give us your Holy Spirit? Would you give us a blessed week? In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said?